Good evening, yes, it is indeed me, the one and only Richard Nixon. Apparently, people are forgetting me and my political controversy, the political controversy upon which all other political controversies draw their names. Watergate, for God's sake. And now we have this orange-faced buffoon with this porn gate? Sex gate? My God. Well, anyway, I have taken up a new post here at the uh, Ministry of Propaganda. I will be doing my best to give you a short summary of the major events of the week. Uh, I know that most of my understanding and perspective is of a 1970s politician, but I might remind you that Biden is a 1970s politician. So here are the major news stories of the week. Firstly, Donald Trump indicted and accused of hush money payment to a porn star during the 2016 presidential campaign is shamelessly milking his legal woes for all they're worth. Recent polls have shown a disturbing uptick in support for Trump. And his fellow Republicans are shamelessly coming to his defense. The Trump campaign, meanwhile, is using his indictment as a fundraising tool. And they claim to have raked in a whopping $7 million since the news broke. In other developments in the USA, NASA has announced the four astronauts who will be traveling to the moon on Artemis II. Big whoop! At the UN, Russia has assumed the rotational presidency of the UN Security Council. I'm sure they'll do a bang-up job. Uh, speaking of Eastern Europe, there are rumblings that Ukraine may finally counterattack in the ongoing war with Russia. It's about damn time. Russia continues to gobble up territory in Bakhmut, and it's high time Ukraine fought back. We've spent a lot of money there. This week, a Russian military blogger was killed in a terrorist attack in St. Petersburg. It's a tragedy, to be sure, but I'm not exactly shedding tears over it. Finland has joined NATO, ending their neutrality policy. It's about time they picked a side. Sweden is trying to join too, but Turkey and Hungary are blocking them. Sounds like a big old mess to me. There was a violent exchange between Palestinians and Israeli police at the Aqsa Mosque compound in Jerusalem. At least 37 Palestinians were injured. Just another day in the Middle East, I suppose. Oil prices have surged after OPEC members announced production cuts. Big whoop. Rahul Gandhi, an Indian opposition leader and critic of Prime Minister Narendra Modi, had his two-year prison sentence suspended by an Indian court. Yawn. Turning to China, the Philippines has announced that U.S. forces will have access to four more military bases. This comes at a time when tensions are rising between the U.S. and China, and it's anyone's guess how Beijing will react. China's regulators are conducting a cybersecurity probe of Micron Technologies, a top American chip maker. This is Beijing's most serious retaliation yet against Washington and its attempts to cut China off from high-end chips. Just what we need, more tension between China and the U.S. On the diplomatic front, France's President Emmanuel Macron is meeting with China's President Xi Jinping to relaunch a strategic partnership between Europe and China. Macron wants Xi to play a major role in bringing peace to Ukraine. Good luck with that. Meanwhile, Speaker Kevin McCarthy met with Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen, becoming the most senior elected official to meet with a Taiwanese president on American soil since Washington established diplomatic relations with Beijing. Sounds like a recipe for disaster. Well, that's all from me for this week. Please like and share this video, and please subscribe to our channel. Now turning to our hosts, Rich and Chris, you are watching and listening to the Ministry of Propaganda, helping you think. Yes, good evening. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ministry of Propaganda. 
and me and Chris are indeed going to be talking about Trump's indictment, the historic indictment of a current and former or current runner for president and a former president, uh, first time ever. So, Chris, where do you want to begin with this one? Well, it's, it's been quite an exciting week, hasn't it? It's been very unprecedented. Nothing like this has ever happened. Um, I, I dare say, is it ever going to happen again? Uh, it does seem to be um, on subjects of sort of money and politics, as we've sort of discussed before with um, Brazil. Um, obviously, even if the worst case scenario for him and he does go to prison, the, the message of Brazil teaches us that it doesn't stop you from coming out of prison and becoming president afterwards. Anything mm. can happen in this crazy, crazy days that we live in. Um, mm. Obviously, it was just a just a throwaway thought that I, I noticed that on the same day he was arrested. Uh, Nicola Sturgeon's husband was also arrested for uh, campaign uh, finance allegations. I thought that was just an interesting coincidence. I'm sure the two things aren't related. Um, mm. Mm. But yeah, it's been, been quite an interesting sort of development. I am keen to see where this goes. What do you think? Mm. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. it's So there's obviously, there are different opinions about this. Um, obviously from the liberal side, the, the Democrat side, they're they're reveling in it, actually, and, um, you know, trying to make Trump look as bad as possible. Um, obviously, as you'd expect, it's, it's it's election cycle. So the first thing I'd like to say is welcome to the 2024 election cycle fully now. We're fully in. It's 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 really started now. Um, so what are we basically two years, more or less, <laughs> a year and a half um, ahead, which is which is become ordinary now. The, the election cycle, the campaigning for presidential election starts just later and later. Um, so this is now the norm. Um, but yeah, I think we can officially say that this is now we're entering that properly, um, deeply. Um, and, you know, there is obviously a bit of, as, as uh, Nixon mentioned at the beginning of our show, uh, political controversies are not that uncommon. I mean, you know, as he said, Watergate, uh, where Nixon paid, uh, well, not paid, but got goons, government goons, the plumbers to go and, um, you know, spy on. The, the opposition yep. uh, using state resources to do that. But there's also other things. I mean, this is something that the Financial Times mentioned. So the Financial Times take quite takes quite a, um, uh, a sort of look on this, which I'll bring up here, is, of course, they talk about, uh, they're referencing something that happened in 1923, a an unprecedented government scandal, um, a bribery, corruption, payoffs, and cover-up in the White House rocked the U.S. Um, they're actually not quoting this current thing with Trump. They're talking about, something that happened in 1923, something called the um, Teapot Dome Scandal, which I've never heard of before. But basically, it wasn't a president, uh, but it was a senior member of the cabinet, a secretary of the interior, um, basically for, yeah, enormous bribes to lease government oil reserves to his own cronies at rock bottom prices. But the thing that I do um, agree with here that the Financial Times brings up is um, if you go on Wikipedia, um, you can curate and see 134 federal U.S. politicians who have been convicted of criminal wrongdoing. I'm obviously not going to show you the whole list. We're not going to go through it. But the point is, you, you, even if just if you think of the top of your head, um, Watergate, Iran, Contras, when yep. you know the the CIA and, and Reagan basically uh, yep. were selling drugs to and Oliver North, who got Iran. who took the blame for Reagan for that. He's a Fox mm. News host. There was no repercussions for that. Mm. Mm. What's interesting is that it's not that there's a surprise that politicians commit crime. 
we all know this, this, this happens every day and we take it for granted. What's surprising is when they choose to enforce the law on these people. That's where it becomes political. And in my mm. eyes, it is 100% political, the decision to pursue charges against Donald Trump. The fact mm. they committed the charges is, is almost a joke. He's, like, he's, mm. he's a caricature of a corrupt capitalist businessman. He's like the heads of OCP from the original Robocop, Robocop films in the 80s. Like, it's, it's cartoonishly corrupt. But the fact that they've got, chosen to go after, go, go after him for this, that's where it starts to enter into this, this gray area of... Yeah. You're absolutely right. So, I mean, if we do just bring on Nixon's particular thing, so Watergate, um, yeah. Ford, Gerald Ford, the president that followed him, then, um, you know, uh, basically, uh, you know, waived it. So he, he basically said that um, they would not go for an indictment um, or charges of bribery, extortion, tax fraud and, and criminal yeah. conspiracy. Um, so the other thing is also then Bill Clinton. So obviously Monica Lewinsky, if we all remember that one, the oral sex in the, the White House. Um, Clinton, you know, took, took part in that sexual uh, relations. Um, he also by negotiated today's a bargain. Standards. So by today's standards, that is rape. We'd all agree. If we were to ask the question what Clinton did to Monica at that point, that, that's, that was workplace rape. She had no ability to reject the president. I mean, if the president comes on to me, how am I going to say no? He's the president. <laughs> He's the most powerful person in the world. That is literally so you, using you say, even by today's standards. Yeah, exactly. So that was in, nine, in nine, late nineties, so not that long ago. He, yeah, the point being, he was allowed to uh, basically get away with that. Um, they negotiated a bargain, you know, so they wouldn't, um, you know, indict him. And also, he gave false testimony. Testimony to there, so yes. he gave a false testimony about what happened there. The, the famous line, "I did not have sexual relations." So yep. you know, they tried to get him, uh, you know, on, on some sort of technicality. But the point is that this is what Trump is being uh, done for. That uh, he said the money sent to Cohen was um, for business, and it wasn't. So that's a false, a form of false, uh, yeah. you know, of lying, yeah. a false testimony in a sense. Um, so, so yeah, that, that you're right. This is a bit unprecedented. This, this is where the whole witch hunt thing comes in. That Trump yeah. is, it's different than Trump. Um, which, which I think then, if you if you think about uh, Nixon, if you think about uh, Reagan, if you think about Clinton, there is a bit of a, a double standard there. Yeah, the, the fact that it is Trump. If the charges that they have got him to, like, like you say, it, it's at first when they got out, they said it was a misdemeanor. Now they've said it's a felony, but it's a, um, I can't what it is, F minus felony. Basically, it's the bottom rank of felony before <laughs> that makes mm. it so. Um, so it it feels like they've made a almost a mountain out of a molehill. They wanted to charge him with something. That's what the mentality seems to look like. That they've made a decision. We're going to go after him for something, and then they found something, rather than it being the opposite way around, which a criminal investigation mm. would, in an honest uh, judiciary, you'd expect it to be the investigation comes first, mm. where it seems it's the other way around. They've charged him, and then had a look and say, okay, now let's figure out what we're going to charge you with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think so. The, the Global Times has a good um, perspective on this, talking about they categorize it as the uh, the weaponization of the legal system. So, um, you know, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but that's the point they're making is that this, as as we've just said, is you know turning the courts, turning the judicial system into 
a, a very political space. I mean, obviously it is a political space, um, yeah. but if you think about even before this, you did have the Russia gate um, investigations and all of that. And, and if you do look at this and see, think of how long these things go on for, it does seem to be a political strategy to keep, um, you know, his name uh, being mentioned in association with all sorts of crimes. So associations with Russia, which will strike a chord with some people. Then you have, um, you know, this uh, paying off hash money to a porn star, which will strike a chord with some political with some political groups. Um, and then you think about the other ones, of course, then the, the documents, you know, the them finding the documents, the secret documents at Mar-a-Lago. Then you also have January 6th, uh, his involvement in that. And then you have, I'm trying to keep track of all of these things. I think it's about five or six different cases, which, yeah, which does yeah. seem, at least from his opponent's side, them trying to, you know, death by a thousand cuts. Um, exactly. On the flip side, though, um, Trump is, you could say, also needs this, actually. Um, he's loving this because he can be seen to be a victim um, and he's getting press. I mean, this is the guy who said, you know, Mexicans are rapists and uh, criminals, who said Muslims, uh, who banned Muslims. <laughs> so he can make his own controversies and make himself sound yeah. bad, uh, look bad. It doesn't matter. That seems to be a part of his his, his his skill. I mean, he's beyond the Teflon man. He's something else. Um, so even even this, if this is a tactic from the, the liberals, from the Democrats, Trump is very good at using stuff that sounds bad to make himself, you know, to, to, to achieve his own aims. Yeah, exactly. Committing crimes and then complaining to people that they're going to come after you for committing crimes. It's a way of writing self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Of course, they're going to come after you when you're doing something wrong. Um, that, that seems to be what does happen. Uh, what's interesting is they're now saying, though, that they're going to go after him for the documents as well. Now, when they found the documents and they made a huge noise about finding him, it was the first sensational of it looks like the FBI raided Trump. But then Mike Pence came out afterwards and said, oh, documents have also been found in my house. Biden came out and said that they'd been found in his house. His excuse that he'd used documents to hide a light on his alarm clock because he couldn't turn the light off. So it was blind. It was flashing in his face. There's a, I, he's like, he's just playing into the, I'm the old senile grandpa. <laughs> and it's right, like, right, right. <laughs> and, it's, and so why weren't you getting the same treatment of the FBI knocking down your door like Trump did? Yeah. No, I, I think that, that, yeah, yeah. There was that awkward yeah. use that Biden had if, also been doing. That. So I, I didn't know about the, did, I didn't know the alarm clock though. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> so if Trump did it, Pence did it, Biden did it, and everyone else did it, at this yeah. point, you got to think, well, is the blame really on them or is it on the people who are maybe holding the records? Because they don't seem to be doing a tremendous job of keeping track of their catalog. If everybody can just book them out, I mean, I, I get chased by libraries more than they seem to get chased by their, their own mm. record keepers. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh, obviously on the specifics of this case I, I didn't know that there was another um porn star that had also been paid off and i mean we're also seeing some of the, <laughs> the dirty tactics and you know like, like you said we've talked about lula and and politics and how money in politics play around and that's you know a central piece of what we're talking about today um yeah. but i had no idea that there was another playgirl a uh, playboy not playgirl playboy model <laughs> that had been paid off um, and apparently also a doorman that had been paid off. But the thing that I found interesting about this is this, this kill, uh, catch, catch and kill tactic, which really, like, when you're talking about a multi-party democracy and how money involves, is involved in, the, in, in it, um, 
you, only the rich can actually win at this game because you have to have the ability, sorry, you have to have the money to be able to buy off a potential, um, potentially damaging story. So apparently this kill and capture thing was a doorman had a story about a potential um, uh, child born out of wedlock with another woman and Trump being the father. And they paid this guy for the story. He thought they were going to publish the story. They buy the rights and then they just sit on it. So they, they catch and kill the story. And that just, again, shows you that if you're going to run against these people, you're going to have to be able to do things like that. And who, which common person is going to be able to do that? Yeah. They can just buy a story and effectively they just bought your silence and it's legal. Yeah. As long as you yeah. don't write it off as a business expense. <laughs> that yeah. seems to be... Right, 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 right. That sort of brings it back to why this has happened because Trump as a character, as, as a politician, he's, he's managed to almost transcend uh, traditional conservative liberal politics in America. Uh, by any analysis of Trump's actual beliefs, he is not a traditional conservative. Um, I, I, don't, I think a lot of what he's passed as conservative bills, he doesn't care about one way or the other. Like the fact that there's so many evangelicals in America who love him for because he saves babies by attacking abortion bills. I cannot imagine that Trump has pushed, I can imagine that he's pushed many a women into abortions in his life. I don't think he cares about that one way or the other. He knows how to play a base. And when you watch his old videos from before he was a politician, when you ask, so we didn't have professional minders around him. When he's asked a question about foreign policy, his unfiltered gut reaction tends to be right. When you ask him about Iraq, no, we shouldn't have gone in. When you ask him about Libya, no, we shouldn't have gone in. He was always very much an isolationist. The deal, yeah. the negotiations did with Kim Jong-un, case in point, which the liberal media attacked him for no end, as if it was a negative thing that he was mm -hmm. reaching across to try and make peace with one of America's enemies. But yeah. the liberals, for some reason, it, it, when Obama did it, or proposed doing it, they were up in arms. Mm. They, they couldn't get enough of it. Or when he shook hands with, with uh, Raul Castro, they were loving it. But when Trump does something similar, at that point, that's too far. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I think there's also something that I read from, uh, well, a Guardian article, actually. I'll, I'll bring it up here. And it's um, written by a guy called... Um, Sidney Blumenthal. So this is a, he used to work for, I'll just click on this here. He used to work for the Clintons, basically. So he's a senior advisor, former senior advisor to Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. Okay, so you can kind of guess, and it's in The Guardian, you can kind of guess his opinion on things. But um, I do find it useful, actually, that, you know, when you have one set of oligarchs fighting another set of oligarchs, they, they you know, bring up good rubbish about each other. They, they, they you know, they know each other's skeletons. So it's yes. nice to see, you know, the enemy of our enemy is, 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 is publishing useful information about the yeah filthy inner workings of how oligarchs run um, you know run the West. Um, so this thing it talks about Rupert Murdoch and the Coke Network, um, and like you just said there, Chris, about the base and how uh, Trump is able to you know play the base of the Republican Party, which actually has become his base. Um, he wiped out you know the rest of the Republican Party, and yes. I think that's what we're seeing here too. Is that DeSantis has come out? DeSantis was supposed to be the the guy who's going to potentially beat Trump. Yeah. I don't know if he can do that now because he's 
put you know his his lot behind him on this particular issue. He could potentially bring it back, but um, you know it's certainly something else to now explain away. Um, yeah. yeah, but the thing I'd, I'd like to talk about here, just mention here, is the uh, the Koch brothers and the um, uh, and Murdoch. So uh, on the fifth of February, um, the Koch Dark Money Syndicate held a conference of its billionaire donors and key activists in Palm Springs, California, to lay the groundwork for for the dawning of the post-Trump age. Uh, there it was decided uh, to swing its enormous resources behind the candidacy of Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who they had originally cultivated was one of the Tea Party hothouse congressmen. So what's interesting here is, of course, that DeSantis is, you know, it me mentions Tea Party, right? So the Koch brothers, the Koch, you know, oligarchs, yeah. want as, as little regulation on the environment and uh, sort of laissez-faire, um, you know, capitalism, uh, where, where, you know, big companies can do what the hell they want. Um, and of course, that's what DeSantis has been, you know, putting out and sort of cutting on Medicare, cutting on Social Security and, and all that kind of stuff. And it come, sort of crashes right into um, Trump, in, in a sense, because Trump then, knowing that, you know, a lot of the voters in Florida, a lot of the voters are Republican, are older people who do rely on uh, some Social Security. So he actually, um, you know, then criticizes him for, uh, you know, um, not supporting those kinds of policies. So um, I think this is very interesting, just seeing the oligarchs clashing um, on all these things. Yeah. So Trump, when he first um, ran to, in uh, 2016, he was almost seen as the um, legitimate sort of figurehead of the Tea Party movement. He was never part of it uh, origi originally, but the fact that he had rallied from people like uh, Sarah Palin, who were, they were all people that effectively born out of that movement um mm. they all r rallied around him so he was sort of seen as as that figure um where now ronda sanders is was being portrayed as a more gentlemanly version of trump who mm. had didn't come mm. with any of the sort of baggage the controversy controversy um but like i say now after after these indictments it feels like the rivalry has had to be put on hold because Trump's going to now be this symbol of deep, deep state oppression against conservatives. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're going to have to rally around him. And I feel, I feel like it, this is, it's, it, it almost feels like it's going to be an, an whole home goal by the Democrats for doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, because it, mm -hmm. it is, that's why it is political. I mean, the judge who's um, indicting Trump, um, who's the same judge who's previously indicted him, which, feels uh, corrupt. I would have mm. as assumed if it's anything like this country where we can't have the same judge for two different crimes. I know America is a different country, it's a different judici judiciary, but um, I'd be shocked if that's not generally the case there as well. Um, also, mm. this judge is a Democrat, and as someone pointed out, um, a George Soros-funded Democrat, that George Soros put money into his campaign. Um which George Soros himself is, is worth an episode of himself just because he is the um, boogeyman of, of um, liberal, socialist, <laughs> communist billionaires somehow. Um, yeah. Yeah. In my head, it's just the sort of successor of the, uh, the, the Jewish sort of control. Yeah, over. Jewish, yeah. yeah it's, well, it's, it's a modern version of that conspiracy, isn't it? it that's, the fact yeah. that they home in on a Jewish man every time 
George Soros, I'm sure, is no worse than any other non-Jewish billionaire. But they they home in like pit, like hawks onto onto these British Jews to attack them. Yeah. Um, so the, what the other one's gone out of my head? Who's the other more famous one? The um, the Rothschilds. Rothschilds, yes, just completely mind blank there. It's it's the modern successor to the Rothschilds. Um, mm, sort yes. Of line, isn't it? Um, it is. It is. Yeah. So actually, I'll bring up um, some of the the, the funding, uh, you know, donors and and, and lobbyists. Uh, actually, a bit later, I've got some a, a great website. We've discussed it before, OpenSecrets.org, um, where we can see um, some interesting things. But yeah, I'll bring yes. that up in a moment. But yeah, on, on this thing um, of you, you said, so sort of the Democrats shooting themselves in the foot. Um, it, you know, I just want to show one thing, which is again from that Guardian article. So. Uh, Trump's announcement on 18th of March that he would be arrested and charged in New York uh, three days later, born of a combination of panic and seizing an opportunity for grift, was not a deliberate strategic masterstroke, masterstroke though it had that effect. So in February, uh, DeSantis led Trump by 45% to 41%. So this is obviously for the Republican nominee for the presidential race of 2024. Yep. Um, in the poll taken just after Trump said he would be arrested, Trump shot ahead into the lead for 47% to 39%. Okay, and then after he was indicted, he left DeSantis in the dust, 57 to 31. So basically, this whole thing um, has taken Trump lead, uh, losing 41. He was down 41. And now he's leading 57. So he's streaked ahead, um, nearly 20% ahead. So, yeah... But this is something then you can, you know, you then have to think, think how much credit do you want to give to the Democrats? So they always said lots of the pundits and Democrats sort of strategists or people that sort of speak like that, at least said, if it's a Trump Biden race, they want that because Biden can beat Trump. There's a track record there. That's their thinking. So if you give a lot of credit to the democratic strategic mind, which I don't really, but if you do, you could say then, you know, pushing their district governor or attorney to, to make this indictment pushes Trump into the head of the race, pushing DeSantis out. And then that means they've got the easier target to beat the easier opponent to beat in 2024. But that's pretty ambitious. It's a very ambitious. And, and also, I mean, there's a lot of risk to that. If you think that's true. Um, yeah. I don't know what your thoughts on that, Chris. Yeah, well, with how close the sort of uh, political margins are at the moment, it, it's not even about what Trump is, it's about what he represents. And this is where where the battlefield sort of is now. Just to sort of compare it to the UK, I watched the new chairman of the UK Conservative Party um, did an interview a few weeks ago where he accidentally sort of said how the sausage was made where he shouldn't have done um where he said in the next in the last election the conservatives won because we had corbyn to bash and we had brexit in the next election we don't have those so what we are going to lean on is culture wars so you're going to hear a lot about wokeness you're going to hear a lot about trans issues and that's what we're going to be basing in our fight on and that when you look throughout the the sort of cultural uh, disc discord at the moment that does seem to be where the distraction is of this modern um, strain of identity politics that's inflected politics on, on all levels. Mm. It's going to be so easy for Trump and the and the Republicans over there to mm. wage this battle, this election on woke culture. Mm, mm, mm. 
Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that the conservative politician sort of <laughs> openly said that. It's, you know, that, that, that well, it was their chairman. He's, yeah. He is a, a renowned idiot. <laughs> I'm sure he probably got, <laughs> right, got right, right. for saying it out loud afterwards. Yeah. Like you weren't yeah. meant to admit that. <laughs> yeah. You were meant to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, although, I mean, you know, if we think about Nord Stream and, and all these other kinds of things, that politicians often now say things that you just go, what? You, yeah. You, you're saying what? You're not supposed to be saying that. Really you know there was a camera? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's, 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 you know, this, the culture war stuff does seem to be uh, apply, certainly to Britain and to the US and maybe elsewhere too. Um, yes. And oh, oh, Russia very yeah. much. So we've seen that. We've seen a lot of that coming out of uh, Russian fig uh, political figures at the moment, where mm. they're they're also sort of playing that card as the protectors mm. of um, traditional values against woke culture, mm. Uh, mm. which is kind of why a lot of Republicans identify as well. Which is interesting that this is it's how it sort of transcended traditional politics that there isn't a sort of ill-defined left-wing team and a right-wing team at the moment everything's very muddled <laughs> yeah well i mean you know this this thing the, the the single issue voter right so you know whether that's guns whether that's abortion whether that's uh, cultural issues whether that's immigration yeah. so this is a, a known phenomenon in america the single issue voter so um i do think that there is um you know this is also an opinion shared by the guys at the global times where they said you know so there's one analysis which says, okay, this has galvanized the Republican base. Now Trump can get the candidacy and the Democrats are stupid for pursuing this kind of stuff because he's going to be basically the savior. He's going to be Jesus. I mean, you had Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Greene already has called him Mandela and referenced Mandela. Um, that Jesus, you know, I heard him in the 60 minute interview say that he's in the same group as Mandela and Jesus. Mandela and Jesus. So, so, oh. so that's, that's <laughs> that of course. Yeah. Okay. He's going to galvanize amongst those people. But to be honest, I think, you know, he already had that vote. If you're already, you know, it's, yeah. it's the same group of people. I don't think that's winning new people that many. I mean, I might be wrong, but I don't think so because realistically, if we look at the numbers from the last two elections, 2016 and 2020, Trump lost the popular vote twice. So he had less people vote for him in total. He only wins on the, on the electoral colleges, right? So, um, and the, you know, the, the sort of swing states are your, your, your voters that are not undecided. So I don't know if this court case stuff, all of them are going to bring enough of those people on board um, so the, you know, the global times analysis, which they interviewed some, um, uh, a guy from a university in, 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 China, who's an expert on, on North American politics. And he said that it's the, the, the undecided, the middle voters, the, the neutral voters for this, this is going to be a big turnoff. It's him in court and they're hearing stories about the dirty dealings and about the boxes and about January 6th and about this and about this. And they're just going to see his chaos and they're not going to like it. Um, so that's at least one perspective on this too, is that for your swing voters, your, your undecided, this is not good. It's good for the Republican base. Sure. You're going to get the votes there, but it's not good for the undecided, which, which is another way of looking at it. Another important thing to, to, to consider. Hmm. Yeah. It's the, a lot of the teams seem to be so sort of solidified now, apart from obviously that middle section, which is what you're sort of going after in every election to, to win or lose. And um, hmm. you have to sort of ask the question at this point, 
when does this country become ungovernable? When you've got mm. when Trump got in, you got um you had the never never Trumpers, not my president, um, and all the Republicans saying sort of just suck it up buttercup, you're being childish childish liberals, of course, as your president. Then when Biden got in, they did the exact same thing that are we the elections the election stolen, uh oh, completely denying him uh what the what's the saying they the, 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 the were saying they were chanting at the fo football stadiums um let's go brandon <laughs> which uh which has just become everywhere i've heard, heard people in congress say it now um but you can't think well, let's go let's point. go what let's go brandon have you not heard mm -hmm. the let's go brandon no what's the reference to this? nascar race where the the guy Brandon won the race, and the woman was saying, uh, and you can hear them chanting behind you, let's go, Brandon. They were chanting, fuck Joe Biden. Uh, okay. Because it was, okay. now it's okay. become a thing that you, people wear T-shirts saying, let's go, Brandon, meaning that. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> right, right, right. right, right. <laughs> um, but you got to think, when is this country going to become ungovernable? That every four years, everybody's dreading it, that the opposition is going to come in and do something horrible to everyone who... Somebody um, heard the term said a few days ago, which I thought was really potent, that America seems to be in a cold civil war. Mm. Yes. The, the, it's almost like the, the fighting's just not started yet. Mm. But the fact that we've heard Trump use the actual words in a, in a conversation, civil war, and mm. even that, it's like, wow, that's not been said by somebody of your position for like 150 mm. years to even mm. have said that. Mm. Mm. It's mm. not, it doesn't seem as, as cartoonishly out of the realms of possibility as it did 20 years ago. Yeah. Like America yeah. is not a stable regime. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, I think that, you know, the, the Koch brothers, Rupert Murdoch, were hoping to turn and move away from Trump because of January 6th and, and all this yeah. stuff. And, and, but now because they're throwing their all, all the way behind it, that he's not gone, which means that yes, that polarization, his polarizing effect, uh, along with just, you know, problems between the oligarchs and mismanagement of the economy and you know, poverty and, and, and corruption and whatnot. Um, yeah, it, it, it we, we, the, the potential for that is not gone. It's, it's, you know, we, we're back again to sort of late 2020, uh, sorry, early, yeah. What was that 2021 20 i've, I've confused myself 2019 when, when the insurrection 2021 sorry late late 2020 early 2021 we've we're we're looking back at that kind of polarized politics i think yeah, um, and yeah. when you look at the, the the sort of demographics of where it is where the, the civil war was the north versus mm -hmm. south this civil war if it was to come a second civil war it wouldn't be a war against state versus state it would be a war within the states themselves this is almost neighborhood to neighborhood this yeah. Your, yeah. your neighbor yeah. could hate you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. everything yeah. that you stand for. Yeah. yeah. It's not absolutely. as the lines aren't as well defined as they were back then. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. This is a, a far, yeah, far more, uh, far more complicated um, yeah, distribution of, of, of the different camps. Yeah. 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 Um, I think there's anything else I wanted to add on this particular stuff. I mean, obviously, the, as we mentioned, the the general trend here is corruption in politics, and um, you know we're obviously seeing a lot of Trump's side of the story. And, and Trump, 
mentioned uh, at his speech in Mar-a-Lago about Hunter Biden's laptop um, and, and this kind of stuff. So I think what we should look at just now, I'm going to bring it up, is money and politics. So I'm going to bring up this website here. It's called um, Open Secret. So I mentioned it, I think, last week, uh, opensecrets.org. It's an NGO that tries to track as much money um, in American politics as possible. I think that it hasn't got everything because there's obviously money that we don't know about and meetings we don't know about and, and stuff, but at least they try and get as much on the official side. So um, who are the biggest donors? Uh, and there's your, there's your man, George Soros, number one, uh, obviously giving to the blue side, to the Democrats. Uh, so this is for 2021 to 2022. Um, we gave $178 million, yes, $178 million um, to Democrats and $0 to Republicans. Um, but obviously on the other side, you do have your, um, you know, your, uh, your rich Republican donors. So number two is uh, Richard Uline. Uline. I don't know who this is. I believe obviously some billionaire. Um, then you have Kenneth C. Griffin, 72 million, 89 million for, for Richard Uline. Um, Jeffrey S. and Janine Yass. Uh, don't know who these people are. And then obviously Michael Bloomberg, number five. Timothy Mellon. Don't know who that is. Sam Bankman fried and course a whole bunch of other people uh peter thiel i've heard of that one before uh but yeah these are your you know th these are the people that really run american politics this is where you know this is this is real politics here this is yeah. the money behind all the campaigns these campaigns don't happen without this money um so this is the list of real this is who owns america basically all of these different individuals here but yeah so it, it seems a bit ridiculous uh, in some sense to actually talk about um trump's sort of stuff paying off people's stuff when when we know openly that millions hundreds of millions of dollars get paid by all sorts of um, individuals and then if you want if you want i'll bring up some um you know some of the industries too if you want to take a look at that in a moment but yeah chris i mean what are your thoughts yeah um it's sort of open air corruption that everybody sort of knows about and accepts um, in america of course where it's accepted legally that money equals speech, as confusing yeah. that is. But that was the court's decision that m money is allowed because money is, is an expression of free speech. So pumping money into a campaign, that's what it amounts to. Of course, that gives an interesting sort of paragraph that it means that poor people have less free speech than rich people. <laughs> because if that's what money is, then that's what it means. Um, yeah. Where if you were to look at that, where both sides were funded by billionaires, uh, compare that to, again, compare that to, to the UK, where, of course, the Labour Party does get money from uh, individuals as well. The idea mm -hmm. is that its primary funding is meant to come from the trade unions and the Labour movement. Um, that just doesn't seem to be something that happens in America at all, or if it does, then it's to a minute amount that it's not even worth mentioning. Like there was no trade unions listed on that list that you just sh showed. So there's, there's no workers union don't whether liberal or conservative donate into either party. Um, <laughs> yeah. So actually I'll, I'll bring that up here because you, you can find all of this on, um, on, on open site on, on open secret. So I'll show you right now. So we've got, um, just for reference, so here's defense, right? So defense companies that uh, lobby, right? So Lockheed Martin comes up, and Lockheed Martin actually hedges its bets, hedges its bets, so they give to both sides. Um, Colsa Corp, I don't know what that is, but very Republican. But you can see all the guys here: North, North, Northrop Grumman, Raytheon, 
uh, General Dynamics and all of the people that make the arms and the BAE system. So even a, a foreign company, so that's a British company <laughs> that gives a million dollars uh, to both sides, uh, it seems. Um, but yet in terms of unions, you do actually get some public sector unions um, putting money in. But I think comparatively, um, you know, National Education Association, total contributions, $48 million. So they do have uh, some role in politics. But if you remember that the National Education Association gives $48 million, right? George Soros was 196. So, yeah, um, he gives a lot more. Uh, I, I, I have a feeling we haven't looked at the totals here, but the, I have a feeling the unions don't give as much. So some of them only give like, you know, a few hundred thousand, a few hundred thousand, a few hundred thousand, a few hundred hundred thousand dollars. So, uh, you know, down here, uh, not too far from the top, uh, not even a million dollars. So number eight is only a million dollars for, you know, donations. So, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah, everyone's free to play the game, but the game is money. So the people with money will win. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's almost sort of just feeds into the sort of Marxist sort of definition of a bourgeois election that when you've got companies like Lockheed Martin hedging their bets, funding both sides. So, well, you've just shown us that whatever side I'm voting for is the exact same outcome. You're always voting for the same companies, the same, if, if they're the people who control the economy, control the means of production, then the, the people, the tie wearers at the front, are, they're just, talking heads who have no real power yeah. because I was in the hands of these yeah. industries. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 the thing I find quite funny about this, not well, yeah, funny is if you read the 173 counts, um, charges against politicians, um, in the U S over the last 250 years, which is on Wikipedia there, um, you'll see bribery, you know, paid, uh, to give a contract to someone. Um, they took money, um, so that they would, open up a reserve for drilling or whatever. Um, but the reason it's called bribery is because you took money while you were in office to do this or that. But lobbying is what then? Being giving the money first and then getting the job and then yeah. giving the policies in some sort of very clever way, trying to give them what they wanted. So I mean, what isn't really, you know, it just seems, seems to be a, a technical difference. Oh, you took the money in office, that's bribery. You took the money before office. Oh, no, that's just lobbying. That's fine. Yeah. And it, to be fair to them as well, the Americans actually seem to be a little bit better on this than mm. we are in the UK. Um, mm. Where in the UK, it, with, there's um, a group on YouTube, uh, a group of journalists called um, Led by Donkeys, and they do absolutely amazing uh, investigations where they've been catching primarily Tory MPs at the moment by setting up fake companies and then... Mm -hmm interviewing these Tory MPs to lobby on their behalf for insane amounts of money. <laughs> Literally tens of thousands per day for consulting, mm -hmm. basically using their contact book that they've made in Parliament to mm -hmm. lobby for them to get deals for these private companies. And mm -hmm. from what the, because obviously it's come out and it's been put in the, in the BBC, everyone reporting on it, and everyone who's come out to explain it away, as pointed out, this is a this is completely illegal. So you might frown mm -hmm. at it, but they've done nothing wrong. It's embarrassing that you've seen it. Yeah. So how yeah. is that? How is that not legal? It should be right. illegal. Right. Uh, there's also another thing that I'm, I'm not going to bring it up, but the um, um, this there's a term called revolving door in in sort yes. of lobbying and politics, where 
yes, never mind just the normal money being given around, is that you have um, politicians who then you know, leave politics and go and work for the company. So they go work then on the board of a company, then work on that board for a number of years, and then get back into politics as a politician. So, yeah. and it's just madness. You're like, well, um, you're saying that you, you know, you don't support legislation regarding emissions of a certain, you know, steel factory. Oh, okay. And where were you five years ago? Oh, you were working at that steel. You were the executive. You were the one getting all the profits. Okay. And then, you know, so it, it's 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 insane. It's insane. I mean, it's not. And, and as you said, it's not even um, hidden. So, in, in a sense, it's also, you know, these people have no shame. No shame. Exactly. Everyone knows you were a former executive. Everyone knows you took money. Everyone can see it there. Um, how much you take from yeah. prison industrial complex, from defence, whatever. Example of that in the UK. Um, obviously, we had when we had the con condemned government, the coalition uh, between the Liberals mm. and the Conservatives. Our vice yeah. prime minister was Nick Clegg. After he left government, he got hired as the vice president of Facebook. Now, when you look at even Nick Clegg's I. Not IMDb, Wikipedia. He's got no yeah. te technology companies in his past. They didn't hire him because he, he knew Facebook. They hired him because of his political clout, which apparently yes. Nick Clegg has. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's clearly <laughs> who's hiring Nick Clegg for anything other yeah. than, to be fair, I don't even understand why you'd hire him for. <laughs> the only thing I remember him yeah. for is that awful <laughs> auto tune apology song he got made to do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Poor, poor, poor Nick Clegg. Uh, anyway, uh, actually, I, I will read actually one of these um, things here. This is a, um, a revolving door example. So they've actually got this as a special on uh, Open Secrets. So revolving door, uh, and this is their featured revolver. It's a great name, featured revolver. So um, Lloyd Austin became the first Black Secretary of Defense after the Senate confirmed him to post on the on January twenty second. Uh, Austin served in the U.S. Army from 1975 to 2012. So during his stint as head of U.S. forces in Iraq, Austin reportedly befriended President Joe Biden's son, Bo. Austin was then nominated to become the Army's vice chief of staff just a year later. Then President Barack Obama tapped Austin to head up U.S. Central Command. After the election of former President Donald Trump in 2016, Austin left the public sector and assumed positions on the corporate boards of steel manufacturing giant Nuco Corporation, Tenet Healthcare, and United Technologies, which merged with defense contractor Raytheon Company in 2020. The merged corporation, Raytheon Technologies, is among the top five top lobbying spenders in the defense sector and spent almost $11 billion on lobbying in 2020. Austin earned seven figures from the defense companies. Austin stepped down from all three board positions following his nomination in 2020. Uh, prior to joining the Biden administration, Austin worked alongside fellow cabinet member Anthony Blinken at Pine Island Capital partners, uh, a private equity firm investing in defense companies that touted its access to Washington. So, I mean, it's, it's literally, again, it is all open secrets, as the name of the website says. But this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. We literally, I mean, I, I took that steel um, company as, a, as an example, but this is literally someone who did that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's there. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Let, let me say, it's, it is open air corruption. It almost mm. uh, shows that you get these... Um, Campaign groups trying to ban things uh, or trying to campaign against things in in civilian life, like the 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 we alluded to last time with the gun control argument. It all makes it a, makes it a mute point when you're against a lobby group. Like the NRA have incredible amounts of resources, incredible amount of funds, even though 
by people, they have a minuscule amount compared to the people against them. But the people against them mm. aren't billionaires. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. So, it's money talks, unfortunately, in, in American politics. It is. It is. It is. And then, and then when you, yeah, when we start, when you start looking at it closely, so on the face of it, you go, oh, what? Trump is being indicted for paying off um, a, a porn star and his, his lawyer's in jail for doing it. So he's obviously, there was a crime and Trump lied about it. This is terrible money and politics. But as soon as you look at it, you go, wait, hold on. They're all rotten. The entire thing yeah. is rotten. Everyone is doing this in different shapes and forms all the time and probably are doing far worse than yeah. paying off porn stars. Yeah. It is literally the popcorn, the sort of kettle black. That the, yeah. What's shocking isn't that Trump did it. It's the fact that this is what they've decided to go after him for. Mm, 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 yeah. And yeah. like I said, I do feel like this is it's going to backfire. Like it already seems to have that it's it's galvanized the sort of Republicans and, and mm. anyone who sort of sides with Trump, who anyone who thought this was a witch hunt already now is 100% more sure. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I don't actually have any other comments on this one. I think we've covered what uh, has happened so far pretty well and given people some perspective. Uh, if you have anything else, Chris, you can add to it. I'm just going to say, if you are watching this, please like, share, and subscribe. Just I'm throwing that in the middle. We're not necessarily finished yet. But um, yeah, Chris, any other thoughts on this one? I don't really have anything else to add. Um, no, not really. I feel like we've sort of, sort of covered quite a, quite a bit on that. Um, obviously, I'm sure more is sort of going to develop. Mm. And I can't mm. see this going away anytime soon. I did see an mm. article here that seemed uh, the New York Times posted their little fantasy that Trump faces 136 years in prison. And that seems to be the most ridiculous suggestion. That it, that's not going to... Clearly what they've done is they've gathered each of the charges... 34 and said, well, if he was to be charged the maximum for each of these, that's what it could be. So I can't even see like a normal non-civilian. Yeah, would get that. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, this is this is not the uh, this is not the last indictment. There will be potentially five other indictments of Trump, and we're going to be seeing Trump in court and making speeches for the next year and a half at least. Um, yeah. So, yeah, get used to this. You're going to be. You, we're all going to become experts on the U.S. legal system. Unfortunately, um, like we're already yes. experts and everything else that American news forces on us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's also, I mean, I suppose uh, <laughs> the um, the Chinese, uh, if you read their Global Times article, are, are, are I mean, I, I would venture to say they're gloating a bit about the chaos of the American political system and them being seen as the stable, um, you know, new, uh, yeah, you know, stable other side of the world, rather. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's my final thoughts for this week then, Chris. And uh, if those are yours, then we'll catch you guys uh, next week. And if you do have any suggestions, please put in the comments any suggestions for other videos you'd like us to go into, if you'd like us to do a deep dive. And um, yes, and also if you have any other ideas of correspondents that we can hire, as we've already hired uh, President Nixon, um, we are always looking for new correspondents and people to hire. If you have any suggestions for us of, of individuals uh, alive or dead, um, we will be happy to <laughs> on board. But yeah, uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much. Richard.